Hello and welcome to Unlock Your Vitality with Magali on a Journey. I'm your host, Magali Matthew. Here we cover all things vitality, that is living full of energy. From gut health to spirituality, nutrition to movement, we peel back the layers and unlock ways to heal and feel our best selves, one conscious habit at a time. Stick around, let's dive on in. I'm so excited you're here. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another week of the podcast. I am really excited to get into a little series. We'll see if these will be one week after another or if that we'll have some guest podcast episode. It'll all depend on kind of how the next weeks play out. And I get a lot of questions through social media about overall well-being, health and wellness, mind-body-soul approach. And so I thought I would do a little series. And we're actually going to start with body. But so it'll be a three-part series of uh, one of them being mind, one of them body, one of them being soul. If you listen to the end of year goal setting, you know that it's a big part of how I plan my year and also just how I live my life (laughs) from a holistic approach and perspective. And so we're going to talk about everything in terms of body today. So before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who has been sharing all of the things in terms of the group Vitalize. My first cohort started last Thursday and yeah, it's just been beautiful to see it develop and grow. I am also really excited to be continuing to have Reiki sessions. So if you are looking for one-on-one healing Reiki session, feel free to either just write me and ask me about it, or you can book directly if you are in the Bay Area and are looking for just an hour of pure healing. (laughs) And then... If you're interested in one-on-one coaching, I am opening up a few spots, so you can also feel free to reach out to me and see if we do a little discovery call and, and see if it's a match and if it makes sense with the things that you are currently in need of. Alrighty, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back. So let's just take a really deep breath, inhaling through our nose and letting go. Oh, that feels good. So when it comes to body and overall well-being and living holistically, there are a few things that I've been learning over the years, whether it was through my course or just personal experience, that have truly changed the way that I have been living and feeling. And I'm going to share a few of the categories now. So usually I don't prepare my podcast in this way, but today I do have notes. I wanted to make sure I yeah, tackle the most important topics and we don't forget anything. And there is a lot that we could go into. So Remember that this is like a 101 kind of idea. Uh, Maybe for some of you, this is things that you already do, that you already know, or maybe just a good reminder. And to some, this may be totally new. So the first one that we're going to talk about is sleep and circadian rhythm. The other one we're going to get into is gut health. You guys have heard me talk about this a lot. 
we are going to get into protein. You've also heard me talk about it and some nutrients and minerals. We're also going to talk about movement and we'll see what else we have time for. But I think that covers pretty much a big portion of it already. So when it comes to sleep and circadian rhythm, I am sure you've heard so many different things about the importance of the amount of hours you're supposed to get and all the things. I guess a disclaimer that I want to also bring into this is that whatever I share is for yours to be taken with a grain of salt. You know, take what resonates and what you want to try or what you want to do and leave the rest. But yeah, I'm not going to sit and tell you the amount of hours that you need to sleep. I think a lot of you already know what those are. I'm going to talk more about why the circadian rhythm is so important and certain things that you can do in order to kickstart it that might improve your sleep. The most basic thing is in order to help our melatonin at night kick in by the time we need to sleep, we actually need to wake up in the morning and have as much direct sunlight as possible. Obviously, for some of us, it's a lot easier than others. Depending on where you live, you might have more sunshine than others. Know that this is just daylight. So um, I know I probably just said sunlight because I generally make that mistake. It's not about how much sun you're getting. It's really about how much natural daylight you're getting. And so even if it's a cloudy day, within an hour of waking, if you are able to go and get some natural daylight, whether that's like ideally a 10, 15 minute walk, but even if it's just five minutes, even if it's just literally opening the door to your balcony, it is much better to do it outside. If you do it through a window, you're not getting the same benefits. And so the easiest way to do it is really just getting up and trying to get daylight naturally into your eyes. Obviously, if the sun is out, not looking directly into the sunlight, but often if the sun is out, you might be tempted to bring your sunglasses. And within the first hour of the sun rising, you really shouldn't need sunglasses unless you have condition or something going on with your eyes. Again, you know best, but this is just a reminder that within the first hour, it might be really beneficial for you to actually help kickstart then your melatonin in the evening. And in order to also help your melatonin in the evening, what we want to try to do is after sunset, not have too much bright unnatural lighting. And so you might have seen how much red light is everywhere right now, red light therapy, and it could be really, really beneficial for you to remove any if you have a lot of like screens or if you have really bright fluorescent lighting see if there is a way to change that what we do because we also have to be realistic and that as beautiful as it is to go with nature cycles we live in a world where we do need to be awake before sunrise and sunset during winter. It is the reality for a lot of us, even though I will always encourage as much as possible to be in sync with nature's natural rhythms. 
if you are not going to bed by the time the sun is setting, which, you know, I think right now is like 5 p.m. in the Bay Area, so I'm definitely not going to bed at this time, after the sun sets, trying to use minimal fluorescent or unnatural lighting. I personally don't have red lights everywhere, but we use a lot of salt lamps, especially for the few hours leading up to sleeping and making sure that there is as little to no technology as possible in terms of computer lights, phone lights, anything, iPad, TV, anything that might be, you know, related to those kinds of screens will definitely not help in terms of being able to fall asleep. So I'd encourage them within not the last two hours between the time you're in bed and two hours prior to that. Again, these are just advice and um, sharing some knowledge and some things that have helped me personally and some of my clients. It's up to you to take it or leave it. If you are struggling to fall asleep, some people enjoy taking as a supplement, a melatonin as an example. I will always try to encourage changing up lifestyle before recommending any kind of supplements and before going that direction. However, again, you know yourself best. You know what you're in need of at different moments in your life and maybe looking into what is keeping you from being able to fall asleep and or what once you're awake is keeping you awake. In terms of how much sleep you get, I really believe that, you know, try to do the best, try to get as much as you can. I love sleeping eight to nine hours a night and I don't always get that. And when I don't, giving yourself a break, giving yourself grace and understanding what you're in need of that day in order to continue to function. When we are lacking in sleep is you might have noticed like on a day where maybe you went out the night before or maybe you had some kind of insomnia that the rest of the day you might crave more salty foods and obviously things like caffeine and things like that. So what's important if we're having any kind of disruption, whether it's sleep or anything, is understanding the long-term impact. And when it's like one or two nights here and there, it doesn't necessarily impact us. Over time, if we're not having enough sleep and if we are therefore having way more starchy, salty foods and more caffeine, right, you start getting into a loop that um, might not be beneficial for your overall well-being in the long term. So yeah, Those are some of the things on a sleep perspective and the circadian rhythm. I try to go, even if it's on busy days, just for a five-minute walk as early as I can to sunrise. Even on days that I have Pilates, I'll try to just like literally go around the block and yeah, just take a few breaths. This might be accessible or not, or maybe you have time to go on an hour walk in the morning. You'll find your rhythm for you that works for you. The next I want to talk about is actually let's talk about protein before we get into gut health. So I 
have shared this before. I was vegetarian for six to eight years, and I strongly believe that it was one of the many things that impacted my health negatively for many different reasons. I just wasn't getting the nutrients that I needed. I was hangry all the time. It really messed up with my blood sugar and insulin levels. And as a result, I'm actually still figuring some of those out and healing some of those things out. I also ate way too much gluten and carbs, which obviously that is what impacted my blood sugar. And also I do believe led to my hypothyroidism and just intolerance in terms of gluten. So if you are feeling like lethargic, slow, honestly lacking energy, I would really look at your protein intake. This is probably one of the best ways to optimize your health. It's also if any of you are looking for fat loss, it's an important part of a fat loss journey. It's basically responsible for burning fat or in more technical terms, fatty acid oxidation. And it also increases muscle protein synthesis. Obviously, you know that having a lot of muscle is really important for weight loss. So there are so many different reasons as to why protein might be important. It's also just an important part of overall metabolic health and Yeah, it's going to help if you're looking to lose weight and gain more muscle. Having more muscle is just going to help overall in metabolic health, but also maintaining your weight and just combat overall anything that might come with aging from the natural process that is getting older. So I... In terms of what kind of protein and what you should be focusing on, there's so many different theories out there. I think one of the first thing that's really, really important is to think of what kind of source you're getting. And so let's say your sources of protein right now are more on the vegetarian side and maybe it's coming from things like soy or uh, maybe beans and legumes or anything like fake meat and processed like plant-based protein powders or plant-based meats, I would really have you just look at what the ingredients are in those things and question. Obviously, beans and legumes, you might be like, well, those are perfectly healthy. If you're buying them raw and soaking them for a really long time and then slow cooking them, for sure, from a digestive perspective, this might be a great source. However, If you feel any kind of bloating or anything like that when you eat beans or legumes, it might be because they're actually improperly prepared. And then if you are not vegetarian and having protein from meat, I would, and fish, I would look at where it's coming from. So things you want to avoid are any farmed fish, any meat products uh, that might be fed anything like commercial feed or soy as well as anything that might be fed antibiotics or so I guess let's talk about what you should be focusing on and those are proteins that are as much as possible 100% grass-fed pasture-raised if you are going to get dairy making sure that it's also 100% grass-fed and eggs as well you'd want to make sure that they're coming from 100% pasture raised. In terms of fish, you'd want to make sure instead of farmed fish, you're getting wild caught fish. 
Um, there's also a lot of things from a sustainability angle that is important for you to um, have a look at and just know as well, you know, that our oceans are unfortunately being polluted and an emphasis on smaller sized fish is going to reduce that toxic load in your body. In terms of protein, let's say powders or things like that, if you are wanting to supplement, I would recommend, I know there's a lot of conversations around collagen right now. If you are wanting to, I mean, for me, the best source of collagen will always be bone broth and homemade bone broth or store-bought. If you're buying store-bought, make sure you buy it fresh. So from a fridge or a freezer, not from a can or a box or something that isn't uh, fresh. So going back to protein powder, the reason I brought up bone broth is because a lot of them are like, you know, collagen is amazing. But if you're buying a collagen-based protein powder, that means that it's been processed in order to remove the collagen from the rest. And um, therefore, you're not getting as just whole of a product. Whereas if you want to get a bone broth protein, Paleo Valley has an amazing one, which is the one that I personally use. I love the unflavored kind because that way you can put it in sweet or salty things and it doesn't taste like anything. And for on average, you want to aim in terms of the amount of protein at 30 to 50 grams of protein two to three times a day. For some of us, that might seem like an insane amount. What I would recommend is just look at what you're having, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and see um, how far away you are from that. And you know, try to increase it at one meal. If you are to increase it at any, increase it at breakfast. Just having like 30 to 50 grams of protein at breakfast literally has changed my life. And yeah, just tune into that. Try that and see how you feel. Again, this is all an exercise in understanding what can unlock our vitality and what can help us feel our best. And I think that one of the things that I've really personally learned is if I'm not having enough protein in the morning, then I eat way more than I need throughout the rest of the day. And the reason is because of the blood sugar imbalance and just how it messes up my insulin levels. Other nutrients that you might want to think about, and this is something I'm thinking about a lot more ever since I talked about in my last week's episode, my Hashimoto's diagnosis and understanding that my thyroid needs more help. So this is especially for women who might think that they need thyroid support and nutrients. I'm sure you've heard of selenium. You can get that from Brazil nuts. Literally one Brazil nuts a day is enough to get selenium. Other things like iodine, iodine you can get from things like seaweed, and then other ones, you know, vitamin A, C, and K2. Omega-3s, I didn't realize how much I was not having enough of and because I just wasn't eating enough fish and seafood. And then things like zinc, copper, and iron are also really beneficial. And in terms of the sources, I'd always suggest to go for, again, the source. So animal before or animal or meat or like natural is what I'm looking for um, sources. You would be shocked at just how much the best protein or the best sources, sorry, of these nutrients are organ meats and things like red meat. You can also get you know oysters, have an amazing source of zinc. I'm not going to go into every single nutrient and 
how to get the best of it. You can definitely, if you feel like, oh, there's one of these that I'm not having enough of, a quick Google search will give you the best sources, the best natural sources. And then if you feel like you need a supplement, omega-3 fish oils is probably one of the best supplements that I think a lot of us need more of. All right, let's get into gut health because this one is a big one. And if you want to know more about gut health, I have, we've done two episodes last season. I think it's episode seven and episode 26 or 27, which talk a lot and in depth about different things within gut health. But I want to just quickly break down first, what's an unhealthy gut? So An unhealthy gut means a gastrointestinal system that isn't functioning as it should be. So it means that you're not able to absorb the right nutrients because there's some kind of imbalance. And that imbalance can be a result of many different things. But once you have this imbalance or dysbiosis, um, you can start getting an overgrowth of bad bacterias and not enough of the good bacteria, which can then create a bunch of intolerances. And I say this a lot, but an intolerance of foods doesn't mean that it's the food that's the culprit, but it's the system within, I mean, your digestive system that isn't able to do the right thing with that food. So what can impact your gut? Obviously, like dietary choices, what we're eating, but also other things like chronic stress or potential infections. Medications like certain antibiotics might have affected our gut. And then environmental toxins. You know how much people are talking about toxic mold and a lot of these other things. So regardless of if you have any gut health issues, I think one thing that's really important to know is that our bodies are able to heal so well and that the gut lining, the gut barrier can actually repair really, really fast. I think the first step to notice if you have any gut issues, I would say, how's your digestion? Obviously that's number one. Are you going at least once to two times a day? The next one I would look at your skin. Do you have any acne? Is there times during your cycle that you might have more or less? And then are there any other symptoms or triggers that you might think of? You know, are you getting any bloating? Do you have any pain? Just other symptoms that you think might be related to the gut. The number one thing I would then do is to walk around your house, (laughs) check your pantry, your shower, your cleaning products, your candles, and remove any items that might have hydrogenated oils, artificial flavors or sweeteners, any high sugar content, things like fragrance or dyes. I discovered recently that Dr. Teal's Epsom salts have as an ingredient fragrance. I had no idea Not for the one that doesn't have any obviously added scent, but for the lavender Epsom salt, the fragrance is as a part of the ingredients, which is really not great for us. (laughs) Other things like dyes or colorants, any preservatives, things like GMOs, MSG, bleach, sulfates, aerosol propellants. Those are some of the things that you might want to walk around your pantry, check if they're there or not and potentially swap them out. The other thing is also what you're cooking with. Um, Are you cooking with like Tefal pans? I'd recommend things like 
ceramic or steel. And then the next thing might seem really obvious, but is 90% of your food, 80 to 90% of your food coming from whole foods. One of the simplest things that you can really do to decrease just any kind of gut health symptoms is decreasing the amount of packaged goods. So swapping things for healthier alternatives, this is a funny one. So when I became gluten-free, I used to just buy all these things, or actually I did this both times, being vegetarian and gluten-free. I was like, okay, we can't have meat. Let's swap out for plant-based meats. We can't have – then later it was like, I can't have gluten. Let's swap out for gluten-free. One of the top mistakes that I personally made and that I see some of my clients making is swapping out these things without really understanding the ingredients behind it. So it's not because something's, you know, vegetarian or gluten-free that it's actually healthy. So trying to see – like just asking yourself, is 90% – 80 to 90% of my food coming from whole foods. And so that is fruits and vegetables. That is beans and legumes if that's a part of your diet. That is natural grains. That is any kind of animal protein, whether it's seafood or meat or uh, any kind of animal products like dairy and eggs. Yeah, is the majority of your foods coming from that? Or, you know, if you were to kind of do a little audit of yourself, how much of your foods are processed. And then seeing if a lot of times I feel like in this world of health and wellness, there's like a supplement or this or that. And it's a lot about adding certain things into your diet. And I actually think some things are as simple as just reducing the things that we're already having. A few other tips for gut health. Um, bone broth. I talked about this earlier, but this is such a magical ancient tool that is going to help decrease inflammation. It improves the gut lining and it also gives you not only protein, but amino acids and electrolytes and collagen. Yeah, that your gut is really, really going to love. So it's super easy. I have an ebook that you can download if you want to have a recipe to make it. I make a ton of different soups and recipes with bone broth as a base that can be really, really helpful. The other ones is for my coffee lovers out there, which I definitely am. The simplest little tool that's going to save your gut lining is have breakfast first and then 20 to 30 minutes after enjoy that cup of coffee. Even if you're having it, you know, with milk as a latte, giving yourself 20 to 30 minutes is going to make a huge difference. And then the last one, which is very underrated, is tuning into your emotions as you're digesting. So are you having a mindful eating practice? Are you eating like super fast and not really realizing what you're having? Or are you taking a few breaths before eating? And are you just like taking a moment to look at your food and say like, okay, I'm about to have this delicious wild-caught salmon that I got at the farmer's market with this salad that I bought from this place. Like bringing back and understanding where our food comes from can also be really helpful. Maybe you grabbed a quick thing because you're working and you had to get something really fast and take out. Even that, just noticing, taking time and being like, I'm so thankful that this establishment, whatever it is, exists and was able to nourish me because this is really what I'm in need of right now. And it helps me to 
be able to continue throughout my day, just taking a few moments is so important. And the last section is movement. So throughout evolution, (laughs) obviously movement used to be a very natural part of our day-to-day. When we were hunters and gatherers, it was literally a part of our day that was needed to keep us alive, to go and find food. We then have created much more of a sedentary lifestyle and little by little have needed to create fast, efficient ways to burn energy, burn calories in order to continue honestly one being sane but also being healthy with the lifestyle that we have. And so I would first just kind of look at where you're at with movement and then I would ask yourself a couple questions. One, what brings you joy? Like what kind of movement really brings you joy? Is it going swimming? Is it dancing? Is it running? Is it walking? Is it being a part of a class and in a group setting? I think it's underestimated the importance of the enjoyment that we have when we are doing these types of activities. However, that said, just 15 minutes of walking can drastically improve your overall well-being and mood. So the other thing is just looking at how much time you have throughout the day and what you'd like to dedicate to. Maybe you're already doing this. I for I used to be a runner and super into HIIT training and really fast-paced, and I feel like I'm just – my life in general is slowing down, and I think it's because that's what I need at this stage that I'm at right now. And I didn't realize having all my thyroid issues how much I was depleting myself. I trained for a half marathon last summer and it really depleted me. Really, really running this amount for where my body is at right now is opposite of what I need. And a place to know if you're getting what you need is checking in after Whatever form of exercise did you do? That form of exercise needs to be giving you energy as opposed to taking it away from you. So after you are, let's say, going to a yoga class, do you feel more energized and ready for the day or do you feel like you need a nap? And that is a great kind of barometer to notice if you're giving your body and and just your overall being what it's in need of. And things need to change. Um, We as cyclical beings, as women, also need different things at different times in our cycle. And so just checking in with yourself and understanding the different stages and what you're in need of. Usually, actually from the time um, we're bleeding for the first two weeks, we can take on more movement. And then past ovulation is when we want to slow things down a little bit. So tune in to see if that works for you. I also hear a lot of women saying, yeah, actually, I thought that during my period I would need, is the time that I need to rest, but actually it can help with like pain relief and all these things. And yeah, they actually say there's this amazing book called Fast Like a Girl 
Um, it talks about fasting and, and the different times that you should be fasting as a woman to help metabolic health. And um, she talks a lot about the fact that actually the first three days of your period is the best days to uh, run and train for a marathon. So again, there's a lot of experts that say a lot of different things. You are the expert of your body, but just tuning in to maybe there are times in your cycle that slower movement feels better as opposed to other times when you really want to push and feel more of like a sweaty workout. Yeah, just checking into what movement feels good. I would encourage if you are not getting anywhere near 10,000 steps a day, just if you have no way of measuring, it's around 5K. Just tuning into how much movement you're getting. Let's say you're working from home. It probably would translate to about an hour of walking. If, you know, an hour of walking seems totally impossible, but then you're thinking, okay, I could potentially do four times 15 minute walk a day, um, which would equal out to the same amount. Or maybe I can do two five-minute walks a day, and that's all that I have available to me. Maybe there's a way to change some of your calls into walking calls. Just tune in to see if you are able to get not just like one workout here and there, but throughout your day if there is a possibility for you to bring more movement. There's been studies that show even if it's things like putting a load of laundry in between two calls or going up and down the stairs to get water instead of having it right there. These are things that can truly impact your overall well-being and health as um, you're going through your day-to-day. All right, friends, I think that covers the body part of our health and wellness 101 little series. The one thing actually that I think I forgot to mention in the gut health piece is stomach acid. I think we I didn't talk about this. And a big reason for us not digesting things well might be because we don't have enough stomach acid. So to help your gastric juices going, having a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in half a glass of water or a glass of water can be really, really beneficial. Doing it like 15, 20 minutes before you start eating. I lately have been doing that, a mix of apple cider vinegar and lemon in a tall glass of water every morning. And I can just feel my gastric juices going. So that's another extra little tip there that might be really helpful. Let me know what works or doesn't for you. And I can't wait to hear from you and chat next week. Thanks again so much for listening. If you are enjoying the show, please feel free to rate and review. And remember as a little disclaimer that I'm not a doctor. This is taken from my personal experience as well as the work that I've been doing with my clients and the learnings from the different certifications I've done. Um, But by no means is this medical advice. All right. Bye guys. See you next week.